Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. Get your Bibles. Acts in chapter number 26. We're going to be in Acts 26, picking up where we left off this morning. This morning, for those that, that uh, were not here, we find the Apostle Paul standing before King Agrippa in the town of Caesarea. And, uh, and, and Festus and the assembled, uh, the assembled crowd there. He's getting ready to be sent to Caesar Augustus. He's going to get sent over to Rome, to Nero there. And uh, he's been detained. He's been in, in, in uh, custody for a couple of years now. It's been over two years. He's been waiting for, for some verdict, for some, some answer to his trial. And it seems like wasted time. We looked two Sunday mornings ago at God works in our silence. And, uh, and that's where Paul is, and he's giving his defense. This morning we looked at the first eight verses of the chapter, and Paul's defense, the idea he talked about, I just believe the promise that all of our Old Testament forefathers believed, the promise that a Messiah would come, and then Paul let them know, Messiah has come. Our Christ is, you, you're hoping for Messiah, Christ is the hope you're looking for. If you missed it, you can catch our, that message on our church uh, app or on or our podcast, um, I should say, or our website, our Facebook page, and a powerful truth this morning that, that the promise to, to Adam that judgment has come or is coming, the promise to Abraham that salvation is coming, and then the promise from Paul that salvation has come. And then the promise from Jesus that eternal victory is coming. He said, I will come again. And we looked at that. This morning we're going to look, I'm sorry, this evening we're going to look, uh, we're going to begin, uh, pick up a couple verses where we were this morning and then continue on in verse number nine and look down, I guess, to probably verse 23 or so tonight. And I'm excited for us to see the truth here in Acts chapter 26. In recent months, if you're on social media, you've probably seen... A, a meme that has been uh, going around maybe for the last, I don't know, year or two. Somewhere, I think, during COVID is where I started to see it. And some of them were encouraging. Some of them were humorous. But it, was, it, it said how it started versus how it's going. And they would show two pictures, something where it started and where it's going. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You've seen that out there. How it started versus how it's going. That's our message tonight. How it started versus how it's going. In the meme, you'll see two pictures, and, and what, what it's showing is how time and circumstances can change things greatly, and sometimes for the better, and sometimes for the worse, and sometimes these memes were really inspirational, and other times they were, they were kind of discouraging, or, or, just, uh, or, or sometimes they were humorous, and they were pointing things out, but, but showing us how over the course of time, things in our lives can be very different from one point in time to another. I'm going to show you a few for those that maybe haven't seen this. A few examples tonight. This first one is a meme illustrating how 2020 felt for many folks. It said how it's starting and how it's going. How many of you can you resonate a little bit with that? You, can, you, you understand that a little bit from 2020. The next one shows also dog, but a different. It showed a rescue dog, how it started. He found this dog emaciated on the side of the road. And, and then as he brought that dog back to life and, and uh, that dog enjoying, I guess, I don't know, a birthday party or Christmas. I don't know what they were doing there. But how it started and 
how it's going. This one is a little bit of a hospitality hack. This next one, if you have guests coming over, how it started, a stack of Lunchables at the grocery store, how it's going, your own charcuterie board there. And so folks use that in humorous ways. One showed how much can change in just a few years. It started with a tourist visit to Buckingham Palace, and several years later, she was now in the royal family, Meghan Markle there. The next, this last one is a, an artist's humble beginnings to their incredible artwork, and this one went viral, and it, and it went, and it showed where she started with art as just a, a little girl, and then over the course of time, learning and growing and developing that gift and how it's going, and that one got spread around thousands of times. This idea of the fact that how it started, it can look one way, and over the course of time and circumstances, things can look very, very different in your life or in our life, or in a circumstance. You might see that in your own life. You can look at some things, how it started, or maybe today you feel like you're in that spot of how it's going is not so good, but it could be even better, and, and, and all of those things. A meme that brought smiles, joy, and a great reminder of how much time can change things in our lives. In Acts 26, as Paul stands giving his defense of his faith before King Agrippa, he gives us his own version of how it started versus how it's going. And then he shares a powerful, powerful reminder for each of us of how it all changed for him. Let's jump in, picking up where we left off this morning by way of review. Let's jump into verse number four. We read these two verses, four and five, this morning, and then we'll jump down to nine where we left off this morning. Paul is talking to King Agrippa and verse number four and five. Would you read them aloud with me? Ready? Begin. My manner of life from my youth which was at the first among my own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews, which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify that after the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. Paul said, my life, my past is an open secret. Everybody knows it. It's not hidden. Everyone knows how I grew up. I grew up learning all the rules of a Pharisee. All, I, was, I, I rose to the top of the ranks in power in the Jewish religion. You knew where I was. And he's saying to this assembled crowd, you knew who I was. Skip down to verse number nine. I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things. He's talking about how it started. That I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Paul's being pretty transparent, pretty open. I lived a life I'm not real happy about. I did some things that maybe if I could go back and change them, I would. Again, do any of us resonate with some of that? Verse number 10, he says, which thing I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests, and when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. The idea there is literally I, I threw my pebble in in those days when you would vote and they would have a, a black pebble and a white pebble and white was innocent and black was guilty and I gave him what he's saying. By the way, remember it was the Sanhedrin, the chief priests that were trying to get Paul put to death. He said how it started, I used to be the one doing their bidding and putting Christians to death. He said, I cast my voice with them. I, I threw my pebble in and I would go from, I started in Jerusalem and then, the, then they found out that I was pretty good at my job and they would send me on business trips. And I would go from city to city and synagogue to synagogue. The Bible uses the terminology of Paul that he wreaked havoc of the church. Everywhere that he went, he would find Christians and say, we know about Stephen and others. And wherever Paul went in his wake, he left martyred Christians. 
and persecuted Christians and, and, and churches that were, that were undoubtedly tears and hurt and pain. Paul said that's how it started. He said, I kept, wherever I went to synagogues, I, I cast my voice with them. Again, I gave my voice against them. Verse 11, and I punished them oft in every synagogue. This was not a once or a twice, one time or two time thing. This was my career. I compelled them to blaspheme. You think about that. Paul, the one being put on trial for his faith, proclaiming who Christ was, he said, I was there. I used to go and say, say you don't believe in him. Say Christ isn't real. Recant your faith of Jesus Christ. I compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. I went everywhere I could find anybody who would, sit, who would identify with Christ, and I would do whatever I could to make their life miserable. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests, he said I was on my next business trip to go find me some Christians that I could maybe kill or persecute or bring pain to, get them to blaspheme. I was on, I was going to Damascus at midday, O king, King Agrippa, I saw on the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun. It was, it was brighter than the sun shining round about me and, and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. The idea there of, uh, of kicking against the pricks, it's literally talking about a, a goad or a, a tool they would use to get oxen and, and cattle and to get livestock to move. And, and you'll still see if you go to farms or places like that, they'll have instruments like that. And it was this thing, and, and they would hit the back of the animal, and sometimes the animal would kick that, but it didn't do any good. The, the person in charge could keep moving them. And, and, and Jesus comes to Paul and said, why are you kicking against my leading in your life? And I'm trying to get you to go in the right direction. I'm trying to get you to go where you need to go, but it's hard, isn't it? You're kicking against those things, and I believe that some of that was as he stood there watching the first recorded martyr, Stephen, and, and he was there consenting unto his death. I believe there was something God was doing in his heart, and throughout that, 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 that I'm not sure, and, and Christ came and confronted Paul, and Paul gives the testimony to King Agrippa how it started. He said, I was a prideful man, I was the strictest sect of the Pharisees. I was a sinful man. I was an angry man. I was a hurtful man. I was an empty man. How it started, I was an abusive man. I was a stubborn man. I kicked against the, the leading of God. I fought the prodding from God. Can you relate to any of that? A prideful, sinful, angry, hurtful, empty, abusive, stubborn person. Paul says, everyone here knows my past. How did it start? I was powerful, I was feared, I was stubborn, and ultimately, I was empty. He said, I had great power, but I had no peace. I was respected by man, I was feared by man, but I was distant from the God that I said I believed in. Paul's giving his testimony and he says, I'm not real happy with what I did, but that's who I was. And then he gives how it's going. Skip down to verse number 16, if you will. Look at verse number 16, how it's going. So he's there on the road to Damascus and Christ is talking. Verse number six, or the, 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 he hears the voice from heaven that's talking. Verse 16, 
And here's what it says. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee. What? You're going to kill Christians. I'm changing your life. And I'm going to make you a, not, not a persecutor of the Christians. I'm going to make you a preacher of Christ. How it started versus how it's going. He said, he said I got a new purpose in life. He's talking to this crowd that, that, and, and these that have the power uh, to put him to death. Verse 17, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. You have a new purpose. It's not to compel them to blaspheme. It's to get them to see the light that you've seen from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, oh, I like this, verse 19. Would you read it aloud with me? Verse 19, ready? Begin. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. Jesus stopped me in my tracks and I changed my ways. I didn't, I didn't fight against it anymore and my life has been different ever since. Verse number 20. But I showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coasts of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. For these causes, what causes? The causes of me going from synagogue to synagogue and telling people of Jesus. For these causes, the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Isn't it interesting? When Paul lived in ways displeasing to God and went about hurting Christians, nobody, none of the religious leaders bothered him. But as soon as he started living for God, not against him, as soon as he started trying to live obedient and to give his life to God and, and change everything about himself, all of a sudden he was public enemy number one. All of a sudden, those that said they believed in God were trying to stop him and, and get him to stop everything that he was doing. He said, for these causes, they, they did these. Look at verse number, they, they sought to kill me in the temple. Verse 22, having therefore obtained help of God. I might preach a whole message on that next Sunday. I'm not sure. I've got several thoughts on where we're headed and we'll see how the Lord directs. But I like that verse. Having therefore obtained help of God. By the way, as Caleb said, that's where our greatest help comes from. I will lift up mine eyes into the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He said, having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing, and that's a whole other message in itself, I continue, even though they're trying to kill me, I'm not turning back on Christ, no turning back, no turning back, I continue unto this day, I've been sitting in jail, rotten away for two years, but God has helped me, I continue unto this day, witnessing both to small and great, I'll witness to somebody nobody knows, and I'll, I'll preach Jesus to King Agrippa, it doesn't matter, I'll just, I'm living for God in places, in, in big stadiums, and in little prison cells, and witnessing to both small small and great, he said, to this day, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. They're trying to kill me for saying that the fact that, that, that the promises of the prophets has been fulfilled. Verse 23, what did Moses and the prophets say should come? That Christ should suffer and that it should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. They didn't like that, by the way. We'll get there next week. What does Paul say? How it started versus how it's going. Some might look at it from a human perspective and say how it started. Paul had a really successful career. 
how it's going. He's stuck in jail. That doesn't seem very good. Paul had a totally different outlook. How it started, my life was empty and meaningless, and I was away from God doing things contrary to Jesus of Nazarene, and now my life has purpose. I was an angry man. I was a prideful man. I was a sinful man. I was a hurtful man. I was a stubborn man. I was an abusive man. I was an empty man. How it's going, I'm now a changed man. I'm a man of purpose. I'm a loving man. I'm a healed man. I'm a serving man. I'm a spiritual man. I'm a powerful man with a very different source of power. My power before came from the chief priest, the the Sanhedrin. My power now comes from a power much higher than that. I'm a totally transformed man, Paul said. What a testimony of God's grace and his power. I want to stop right here. This is not my message, but I want to stop right here and remind us No one is beyond the transforming power of Jesus Christ. Rich, poor, educated, uneducated, good family, bad family, good, good, you know, good works in their past, bad works in their past. No one is beyond the transforming power and help of God. God can still change lives. And we saw three get baptized this morning. God can still change hearts. He can change purposes and he can change directions and he can change practices and he can change nations and he can change you and he can change me. He can change our family history. There's a a thread that Pastor Sam and I are on with a few of our close friends from, from college, guys that Pastor Sam he played on a basketball team with that I coached when he was in college. And, and I saw a video yesterday. Uh, you, some of you maybe have seen it. The, uh, I think they call it Dads on Duty at a school in Louisiana where a few dads went to the school because they had had 23 fights in a month at this school. And, and six or seven or eight dads decided to just go be a presence and to, to love. And, to, 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 and, and the kids are giving it and saying, some of us don't have dads at home, but they brought a whole new. And I, and I texted them on that thread. There are five of us. And three of us are from single-parent homes. And, and I texted on that thread, and I said, hey, guys, hey, keep being great dads to your, to your kids, and let's keep reaching those that maybe are growing up in difficult circumstances, and maybe those without a dad, and introduce them to the Heavenly Father. And teach them that they can be a good husband and a good father. And, 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 I, and I said those things, and, and Pastor Sammy said some things, and others said some things on there. But a reminder, God can change everything about us. He can teach those that didn't have a good home how to be a loving husband or wife, a loving mom or dad. He can teach those that that grew up not going to church and knowing anything about the Bible. We can be powerful witnesses for Jesus Christ. That's Paul's story, how it started and how it's going. Don't give up on people. In this story with Paul, Paul gives the secret, and here's the heart of the message. He gives the secret to his transformation. Would you read verse number 15? So he says in verses 4 to 14 how it started, verses 16 to 23 how it's going, verse 15 is the pivot, verse 15 is the hub, verse 15 is that, the the transforming verse, verse number 15, let's read it aloud, nice and loud, ready, begin. And I said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecuted. How it started to how it's going And what made the difference? This sounds so simple, so cliche, so elementary. But Jesus is the one that changed everything. 
It was Jesus. He said how it started that first half and how it's going that second half. And here's what changed it all on the road to Damascus. I was, I was going to persecute Christians and I got knocked over by a light from heaven. And I heard a voice and, and he said, why do you persecute Saul? Saul, why do you persecute me? And he said, who are you? Who's talking to me? And he said, I am Jesus. The answer is Jesus in your life. We look for all kinds of things to change us from how it started to how we'd like for it to be going. We look for, for uh, self-discipline and turning over a new leaf or reading a new book or talking to an expert in some area where we need help. And I'm not against some of those things, but may I say that which is going to bring lasting change in our life is found in verse 15. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. The answer is Jesus, not a new career, a new relationship, a new location, or a new job. Jesus is the only one that can bring the change that we need. And I see three thoughts here on really what transformed from how it started to how it's going. What changed for Paul and what can change for you and me? If we see some things in our lives, we maybe don't love how it started. Maybe we don't even love kind of how it's going. But we'd like for Christ to give us a, a new future. We'd like for Christ to give us a new direction. We'd like for Christ to give us a new peace. We'd like for Christ to give us a new purpose. Three thoughts from this passage. Number one, what did Paul do? We need to learn to listen to God's voice. Do you see verse 14? And when we were all fallen to the earth, the next two words, I heard. I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? You study another, another uh, account of, of Paul's testimony, another place where he gives it here in Acts, and what you'll find is everyone in his crowd saw the light, but only Paul heard the voice. Everybody else saw that there was something different, but only one heard the voice of Jesus Christ, the voice of God speaking. And, and by the way, today, I don't believe and I don't hear audible voices. God doesn't speak to me when I'm, when I'm laying in my bed in audible ways. Ryan, go do this. But, but he did say that he will use that still small voice. He will use that the Holy Spirit I'll send that will convict and will comfort. He did say that I will speak to you through my word. God can speak to us through his spirit and through godly counsel in our lives and through his word and, and, and the, the others in Paul's party saw the light but couldn't hear the voice and may I just say for you and for me we might not be happy about how it started or even how it's going but when we look about where it's going to go we need to learn to let the spirit of God convict and change and challenge us are you listening to the voice of God in your life we're so good at drowning it out aren't we we drown it out with, with technology. We drown it out with entertainment. We drown it out with busyness. We drown it out with activity. We're constantly texting and listening and earbuds and music. And we get in the car and we turn something on. And, and we get home and we turn on the TV. We get to the restaurant and the kids are on an iPad. We get in the car and, and we're constantly, we have voices all the time speaking into our lives. But do we ever give any space for the voice of God to speak to us? It's interesting we take our teenagers to teen camp each and every year. And without fail, every year, I think this year we took 60-some teenagers to teen camp over at Ironwood. We go in, out into the desert, and we spend six days together. They hear, I think, nine Bible messages. And it's interesting. Without fail, every year, there are young people that make a decision to trust Christ as Savior. 
And there are young people that will come and, and young people that maybe in church seem totally disinterested, but all of a sudden, after a day or two or three, all of a sudden there are tears and there's conviction and, and there's decisions and they'll say, God's working in my heart here and God's speaking to me about this. I need to get this out of my life and I, I need to get this into my life and I need to stop doing that and I need to start doing that. And, and I've often thought about why is it so different? They're in church for 51 weeks on a Sunday morning, and, and they, they, some of them go to Christian schools. Why, why is, and Pastor Jay, you ran teen camps for many years. I don't know that I'm right about this, but why is it so different? Does God speak louder at teen camp? I don't think so. I don't think God speaks louder at teen camp. I think the volume on all the other voices gets turned down. And all of a sudden, all the entertainment's gone. And all the social media is gone, and all the video games are gone, and, and all the friends are gone, and all the busyness is gone, and all the activity is gone, and all the sports, and the, whatever it might be, the music and all of that stuff is gone. And I don't think that it's God speaks louder in the desert the, third, the, the, the first week of July. I don't think he says, you know what, one, one week a year in July, I think I'll speak loudly. I think what it is is we get stopped in our tracks, the volume gets turned down on everything else, and all of a sudden we can hear him speaking. We can sense his leading. Are you listening to the voice of God? When you open his word, does it speak to you? Does it challenge you? Does it convict you? When you hear preaching, is there ever a decision? Or do you just come, sit, get entertained? I hope Pastor Ryan has a funny joke or a funny story, or maybe a video to show us. I, I hope there's some entertaining. I hope they sing the song that I really like that makes me feel good. Or do we come to church and is there ever a decision that's made? You know what? I'm going to change that in my life. I'm going to start doing that for you, God. I'm going to grow in you in this way. Paul said, when I heard his voice, it changed everything. How it started to how it's going. It was the voice of God in my life that changed it all. When he speaks, listen. He speaks through preaching. He speaks when we pray. He'll, 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 he'll speak. He'll speak through his spirit. Number two, I see not only listen to God's voice, but number two, live in God's word. Notice verse number 16. The word of God, but rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness of these things which you've seen and of the things you haven't seen yet, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom I, now I send thee to open their eyes. I want you, this is what I want you to do, to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. What did he say? God's word changed my direction. God's word changed everything about me. I was going into town to be a persecutor. I went back into town as a preacher. I was going to town under the authority of the chief priests. I went back into town under the authority of God Almighty. He, his word changed everything. And again, church family, have we grown accustomed? There are people in this, in this world that would love to have just a portion of a copy of, of God's word. Have we grown accustomed because we have 5, 10, 15, 20 copies of the Bible stacked up on shelves all around us? We, we have a plethora and an abundance of spiritual content all around us. We can tune into any religious station or a podcast or a, a live stream or a church. There are churches all over. Have we grown accustomed and all of a sudden his word has lost its power because we've had it so much. It's been said, I heard one person say the statement, it's hard to appreciate steak when you eat it every day. I'd like to try that and see if it's true, but <laughs> the Bible says it this way, the full soul loatheth even the honeycomb. 
You ever been full? You know, you know when you go, are they doing samples yet at Costco? Are they back to sam- That's one of the worst, one of the worst side effects of COVID. They took away the samples at Costco. I don't know if they're back or not. You go into Costco when you're hungry, man, it's awesome. And you'll eat anything. I mean, I'll eat goat cheese stacked on top of ham, stacked on top of some weird combination. Like, give me some of that. Yeah, that's good. And then I put my glasses on like a disguise and go back for a second one. No, you didn't see me. That was, that's my brother over there. And then I send my kids over there. Go get some goat cheese. I want some more. When you're hungry and anything sounds good. When you're full, nothing sounds good. Oh, no, 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 no. No, here's your favorite dessert. I can't, I can't, I can't eat. You ever been there? I don't know about you. This wasn't in my notes, but it's right. Uh, cheesecake factory. Literally, it's in the name. It's a factory of cheesecake. Yet, probably nine times out of ten that I go there, I never order cheesecake. Something's wrong with that picture. Every time I walk in, I spend about five, seven minutes just studying the glass case of different cheesecakes. It's a beautiful thing. There are every flavor you can think of. And I'm like, Pastor Jay, for me, I like, I like, try, I like variety. So I'm like, okay, we're going to order. I got seven of my family. We're going to order seven slices. And those are the seven. And we're going to do it family style. We're going to share all those. And then I sit down. And they bring the bread out. And I start eating the bread. And then you have to order the fried macaroni and cheese balls. Those are very good. And so we order those. They're healthy, too. They're organic. And uh, <laughs> part of a, a healthy, nutritious, balanced diet. And then I order whatever, and that, that menu stresses me out. It's too big. It's the, anal- the paralysis of analysis. It's like there are too many things there. And so then I, I order whatever I order, and then I look at every other dish going by me with regret. I should have ordered that one. There's 5,000 dishes you can order. And I eat that, and then we keep going. And by the time it's all done, I get to the end, and they're like, would you like to order any dessert? You're here at the Cheesecake Factory, after all. We literally have it in our name. I don't think we should tonight. And I leave completely discouraged and regretful. But why does that happen? When you're full, you don't appreciate even that which sounded so good. And I I fear that, oh, I go to church, but do we live in God's Word? Does it have any part in our daily lives? We justify so many actions and thoughts and desires and habits that directly contradict the Word of God. And Paul said how it started to how it's going. What changed was I met Jesus and I heard His voice. I led His voice and and I lived in His Word. He said, this is my purpose for you. And and may I just say that that Paul's, the the Word of God in Paul's life probably sounded really crazy to everybody he knew. You're going to do what? You're a ruler of the Jews. You're a leader. You're a leader of the Pharisees. You're going to do what? You're going, you're going to be a missionary? What's, what's a missionary? Aren't those the people that you put to death? Paul, what happened? What, what, what did you, did you go, did you read some weird book? No, I, I heard the voice of God and I heard the word of God and it changed everything. When was the last time that God's word changed anything about our passions, our habits, our desires, our budget, our schedule, our priorities. Live in God's word. And then lastly, follow God's leading. I had you read this verse aloud. I like this, verse number 19. Verse number 19, he said, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, once I had heard the word of God, I knew his plan for my life. I like this, I was not disobedient. I was not, dis- I didn't justify, well, I need to learn a little bit more about that. Those are kind of those crazy, kooky Christians. By the way, Paul obviously thought Christianity was crazy and, and was something to be eradicated. He had given his life to eradicating it. 
And he didn't say, well, I just gave it some time. Maybe this is just an emotional decision. I don't know what really got a hold of you, but maybe you'll get over it. No, what did Paul say? I wasn't disobedient. Immediately, I jumped in and I began to follow God's leading. I did what he said. And, and I imagine, I'm reading between the lines here, but, but I imagine maybe Paul thought or said or had talked about, and you know what? It didn't make any sense that I would do that. My, my new plan didn't make, my friends, my family, my coworkers didn't understand it. The chief priest thought I was crazy. My life's choices and my change of direction made no sense to anyone I knew. But what does Paul say? But I followed his plan for my life anyway. And that's how I ended up here some 25 years later, King Agrippa. That's how I came before you, how it started to how it's going. And it came because of the voice of God and the word of God and the leading of God. He told me, here's my plan for you. And may I just, and so 25 years later, I've been serving him and he's taken real good care of me, King Agrippa, and he's changed my life. And I want to share. I could be asking for my release, but instead, King Agrippa, I want to share Jesus with you, and I want you to become a Christian, and I want you to get saved. I want you to know the joy that I knew, and Paul said it changed my whole life for decades. Sometimes, sometimes fulfilling God's purpose for your life might look crazy to others, even those you know and love. In the late 1800s, a clergyman by the name of Bishop Wright thought it was impossible for man to fly. Flight, he said, is reserved for the angels. Several years, years later on December 17th, 1903, as this famous picture shows, Bishop Wright's oldest son, Wilbur, took flight at Kitty Hawk, North Carolina for 12 seconds and 120 feet as his younger brother Orville looked on as their creation flew. His their dad had said, flight is reserved for angels. Man will never fly. Sometimes God's purposes for our lives might look a little crazy even to those we know and love. It was for Paul, but he followed God's leading anyways. So how's it going? And where are you headed in your life? I don't know how it started for you. Like Paul, you might have some serious regrets in your past. I don't know how it's going for you today. You might have some serious heartaches and heartbreaks in your life today. But I do know it can be very, very different in a short period of time, for better and for worse, depending on what you do with Jesus. Teenager, your life can be full of great blessing and joy in your 20s and 30s and beyond, or it can be filled with great destruction and heartache. The key is what you do with the voice of God, the word of God, and the leading of God. Single adult, married couple, the coming decade can hold innumerable victories or incomprehensible defeats based on what you do with Jesus in your life. Senior citizen, you can finish your course with joy and purpose or with regret and disillusionment and bitterness. What will you do with Jesus? Will you listen to his voice, young person, adult, or the voices of culture around you? Will you live in his word or in your wisdom? Will you follow his leading, his plans, or your plans? What pleases you, or at least what you think will please you, or what pleases him? Paul, bound in chains, before powerful rulers along the Mediterranean coast, raises his hand, addresses Agrippa and the assembled crowd, and gives a powerful testimony of how it started and how it's going. And verse 15 changed everything. It was Jesus. Changed his purpose. Changed his desires. Changed his passions. 
changed his career, if you will, changed every, his direction, changed everything about his life. And God wants to and can do the exact same thing. You say, I'm in a spot right now that I'm not real happy about. I'm in a spot right now that I kind of wish things haven't gone the way I had hoped. What will you do with the voice of God? What will you do with the word of God? And what will you do with the leading of God? Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.